Multi-platinum recording artist and best-selling author Michael W. Smith continues to live out his dreams as he releases new music regularly and performs around the world to sold-out crowds of loyal and inspired fans. During Michael's storied career, he's been honored with three Grammy Awards, 45 Dove Awards, and an American Music Award, while selling more than 15 million albums. Michael, thanks so much for coming on Takeaways. Thank you, Kirk. Appreciate it. Good, good to see you. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. Man, you, you and your music define an entire era of my life as a brand new Christian at 17, 18, 19 years old. <laughs> that blows my mind. I'll never forget the first time I met you when you came to the show in L.A. It's like, and then all my family was freaking out, going, "Oh my gosh, you're hanging out with Kirk Cameron." That's just. So my kids thought it was pretty amazing. So, well, you, yeah, it's been it's been a great great journey. I'm just so grateful, uh, Michael. You you have been there since the beginning of my faith journey, and for so many other people. And I remember as a young man, it was just coming to this this realization that I wasn't the only one who thought that the gospel was life-changing and your music and the lyrics in those songs gave me a whole community of people that I could relate to as a brand new Christian. All the people that were packed into the arenas, everybody singing your songs. I was like, this is the greatest thing. I found the greatest thing in the world. It's called Christian music. And you were right there at the heart of it. Well... Thank you, Kirk. I, you know, this is the crazy music is just, I still think it's the most powerful universal language in the world. It's amazing how a three and a half minute song can completely change somebody's life. And so the fact that I've been doing it for uh, now, I'm, it's four decades. Hello. Yeah. Uh, I'm just so grateful. And you get to see transformation. You get to see the music just completely impact people's lives. And it just, for me, it doesn't get any better than that. So Michael, you've been traveling all over the world. Where, where in the world has Michael W. Smith been lately? Well, I was in Vietnam, uh, about a week and a half ago. That was incredible. Uh, heading to Europe, Romania, Poland, uh, Budapest, wow. uh, South Africa in June and we'll in, in the European tour in Rome. So just, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. You know, I, I never imagined that my music would find its way in every continent. And it really wasn't the pop stuff, Kirk. It was really the worship album that came out on 9-11. That's when actually that record was released in 2001, uh, September 11th. And so those songs from that record literally are sung all around the world. And and I still get chills. You know, you're in Vietnam and they're singing Agnes Day in Vietnamese and English at the same time. Mm. It's like, it's incredible. And you go to Brazil and you have 50,000 kids breaking out in Agnus in Portuguese. It's just, and you just cry. I just stopped playing. I just, I'm undone by the whole thing. And yeah, it's just, it's pretty remarkable. Wow. It really is. Well, well Michael, I want to talk about a, an incredible project that you're a part of in the next segment. Uh, but right now I'd like to really focus in on the beauty and the theology of creativity and music and worship. Michael, so many of us have been, have been moved by your music and inspired by your lyrics, but but what do you find inspires you the most to be able to write these kinds of songs? Well, lots of things. I mean, obviously my family have, have inspired so many songs, world events, you know, 9-11, Columbine, mm. those kind of things are sort of push my button when I can't seem to articulate what I'm feeling. They sort of comes out my fingers on a piano. Yeah, you know, I'm just inspired by nature in itself, you know. I mean, the stars, I mean, just the, the beauty of God's creation. I'll never forget 
when I we have a Bradford pear that's a very popular tree in Tennessee, and it was in full bloom, and I pulled up beside it, probably had, had pulled up so many times uh, and seen that tree, and all of a sudden one day I just completely lost it. I know it sounds bizarre, it sounds crazy, um, but literally the beauty of the tree, I just went, oh my gosh, God, you are so good. And so, you know, I just the songs fall out of the sky, they still just fall out of the sky, and I catch them. It amazes me that you can take lyrics and a melody and blend them together and make a song. Can you just give us a, a little glimpse of what that process looks like? How do you do that? I mean, how, do you start with the melody? Do you start with the with the lyrics? How does it work for you? Most of the time, it's, I mean, the, my favorite way to do it is really music first. I mean, there always is a melody. Friends is a different thing. When I wrote Friends, that was a lyric that my wife wrote, and I wrote the music to it. But I would say 98% of the time, it's a melody, and you... You know, you just sort of every time I sort of try to write something great, it's a it's a disaster. Honestly, um, I'm not very good at at getting together with a bunch of writers and we're going to write a hit song at 10 a.m. on Friday morning. That's never worked for me. Um, mm. But really, it's the melody. It's a melody that comes, and you kind of know you kind of know what that melody is sort of uh, saying in some ways. Because most of the time, when I do write something. For the most part, I know what the song needs to be about. And then I pull in the poets. I pull in all the great lyric writers that I respect so much and um, and let them help me hash all that out and try to figure out how we can come up with something beautiful, a beautiful marriage of a melody and a mm-hmm. lyric. And you've, you've led so many people in worship, myself included, um, just tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in, in arenas. Michael, what do you think is the special role that worship music plays in our relationship with God? Uh, hey, it's it's what we're made to do. It's what we're created to do, to worship God. And mm. for me as a worship leader, when I hit the stage, I'm going, God, uh, what, what's my posture? And I want my posture to be beautiful, and I want to walk out, to, out there with extreme humility, and this is not about me. And that's hard for me a little bit because it's been— you know, a lot of people still look at me as celebrity and I, and I don't like that, you know, so you have to sort of diffuse that. And I think if it's authentic, people are looking for authenticity. And I think when they look up there and going, okay, I can follow this guy because I know it's not, he knows it's not about himself, you know? And so I think you, when you project that, um, then people can follow you. And then my role is to change the atmosphere and to create a space where God meets people. Mm. And then you know, you never know what's going to happen at that point, especially when there's a, there's a shift in the atmosphere. There's a, you feel that there's a breakthrough. You just kind of sense it in your spirit. And man, sometimes I'm just, I feel like I'm not in control. I'm not even hanging onto the reins. This thing takes off and it's like, it literally can literally wipe you out emotionally. Yeah. And I've seen it happen not only here in America, but all around the world. Wow. What, what, what a privilege that is. Michael, when I think of the arts, sometimes the arts uh, serve as a way of, for people to escape from their burdens and the stresses in their life. I go see a movie and I can escape and I go into this fantasy world. But worship arts are interesting in that people pick up their burdens and their stressors and they, they bring them to God through worship. 
Uh, in fact, I saw that last night at a Carrie Job concert that I was at, and you could just see people, and they were just they were weeping. Their burdens and their stresses were were right there, and they're bringing them to the to the feet of God. How have you seen worship be a change agent in people's lives? Well, it's captivating. You know, you can walk in with a a load of burdens and a load of stuff that you feel like, man, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, uh, people are desperate uh, for answers. And then something breaks in the atmosphere and something, it's, it's miraculous. I can't really, Kirk, I honestly can't explain it. It's, I mean, it's, the, it's supernatural to me. Mm. But something breaks. I mean, it's what you pray for every night. Something breaks and you have somebody who's come in who's suicidal or yeah. it's just ready to end it all. And then something shifts and all of a sudden they're weeping. They're literally weeping on the floor, and God meets them where they're at. Wow. And you get, a, you get a sense going, you know what? I'm going to be okay. And he's going to turn this for the good, even though I don't understand it. Even what, I, always, I love that song, Sovereign Over Us. Even what the enemy means for evil, he turns it for the good. Yeah. He always does. One of the things that I love about some contemporary worship music right now is the the singing back to God who he is in our lives, the, the affirmation of the role that he plays, like Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, um, Awesome God, uh, Above All Powers, Above All Things. Michael, what do you think that that kind of worship does for us by reminding us who God is? Well, I think you said it. It's just a reminder. I, I kind of feel like when I go out every night, I'm not... I feel like we don't need to probably tell very many people something new because it's already there. I'm just remind. I feel like I'm a pastor. I am a pastor to all these people who come. I'm just reminding them of what the book says. Yeah, and and really, that's it. And then when you fully understand, when you get this whole thing about, as I said earlier, that God not only loves you, but He likes you and He calls you His own, and there's a destiny on your life. It. At some point, it's going to like completely change your life and the way you look at things, the way you see people. The way you, all, all of a sudden, you realize, oh, my gosh, it's not about me. It's not about me. And hmm. when you start to turn your affections and your, and your adoration to the maker, I'm telling you what, it's a game changer. Yeah. How can we be praying for our local worship teams at church? What is, the, what is it that you think that they need being, being the... the the, the veteran worship leader that you are. I think we need some moms and dads out there, Kirk. You know, we need mothers and fathers to father this next generation and mother this next generation of worship leaders. There's some really wonderful things going on, and I love that. Um, you know, I, I think it's always a challenge when you, uh, especially in big churches, and you got lights and you got sound and you yeah. got all the da 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 right. bells and whistles. And sometimes I think we can we can sort of get lost in that and lose our focus a little bit, and we're dazzled by all that. Yeah. And man, some of the best worship times I've been in was somebody just playing the piano or the guitar all by themselves, and yep. everything is stripped away. Uh, I'm not saying there's there's nothing. I'm not saying lights are bad and production is bad. I'm just saying, I think there's got to be a, we have to really be careful about dazzling people and we yep. have to 
bring people to the into the presence of God. Yeah. And we don't do that with all the production. We do that with authenticity and having the ability and the gift to tap into what sort of it's almost like you're sensing in your spirit what's happening in the room. And oh gosh, there's something happening in the room. Then maybe we don't stick with the set list. Maybe we stay on the song. And I think we get into this whole thing where we're programmed. We got 25 minutes of worship. We got 20 minutes of sermon. And again, I'm 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 not being judgmental. I'm just saying, I just think God wants to do something fresh and new. And I think that there's got to be a, there's got to be something that's that feels free. Yeah. To let God sort of control what's going on in the meeting. Again, I've opened up a can of worms there, Kirk. But. <laughs> but well, Michael, what, what I'm what I'm taking away from what you're saying, though, and I so appreciate this about you personally, is that even though you are an artist, even though you are a performer, even though we can come to a spectacular uh, con- concert, you yourself are an authentic person. God is is an authentic person, and I think that is what people are really starving for today: is authenticity and genuineness, particularly from those who are leading us in our churches as spiritual shepherds, as worship leaders. So thank you for for being such a great role model, not only for young worship leaders, but uh, for all of us believers. Thank you, Kurt. I appreciate that. All right, Michael, tell us about The Journey, a musical special with Andrea Bocelli. You were in it. What's it all about? Well, it was Andrea's idea to take a pilgrimage, which is a very popular thing that they do. uh, especially when it comes to you know spiritual journeys and and going to all these holy places and praying and it's a big thing there and he wanted to do it on horseback and we've worked together over the last five or six years together and so he he asked if I would come and do this special but the the stipulation was I want you to ride a horse with me for twenty miles wow. he was going to ride for two hundred miles and so I'm just one of the guests and so. I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'd love to do it. And uh, I hadn't been on a horse in about a decade. I've ridden on and off my whole life, but boy, so I trained. I, I thought I'll be good. And whew, man, I tell you what, I didn't know if I could walk the next day. I was so sore. But I'm telling you what, what I saw in that landscape and being in Italy mm. was incredible. We had so many great conversations and talking and talking about God and talking about what he's doing and talking about nature and and then making music in a 3,000-year-old coliseum wow. with 2,000 torches lit and doing it with Bocelli was like, okay. It doesn't get do, much can, better I, than I, this. I can do this anytime. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was pretty incredible. How, how incredible. Like you say, the landscape and, and you're with Bocelli and, and the music and the cinematography. It just looks absolutely amazing. And in fact, we've got a clip of you singing one of your performances of Sing Again. Everybody watch this. Wow, absolutely stunning. I, I, I can't wait to see the entire project. Michael, what, what did it mean to you to be able to remind us of truths like this lonely heart will sing again and through suffering we're stronger in the palm of his hand? Yeah, I love this lyric. I mean, I wrote the music, but, my, but I wrote it with my two of my kids, uh, 
uh, Whitney and Anna. And it's sort of my post-pandemic song, Kirk. I mean, what what the song says. And, you know, it's been a very difficult two years. We actually shot that in the middle of COVID. We shot that in 21. And, you know, and they asked if I would write a song for the special. And, you know, the light bulb went off in my head and I wrote this melody. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I think it's got to be called Sing Again. We're going to be able to sing again, again after being cooped up and isolated. And that was really the inspiration for the song. And so when I played it for Andre and the production team, they all loved it. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really great moment in the special. And the scenery is absolutely stunning. Uh, if I could go to any one place on a vacation with my wife, I think it would be the Italian countryside. Uh, talk about yeah. how the nature that you saw there and the landscape and the ancient ruins there inspired you. Yeah, well, first, I just love Europe anyway, and I especially love Italy. And uh, I went to places in Italy I'd never been to before, especially that Colosseum. And then just in the people, Kirk, I love the people. I mean, they would greet us as we were, you know, on horseback going through these tiny little towns. And I mean, it was beautiful. It really was incredible. And I'm not a big tourist guy but i love going to places that are beautiful in the country i always say if i could live in the city or the country country hands down and to be able to see that beauty uh and then build the history of italy gosh it's just like off the chart um it was very inspiring i came back from italy and wrote a bunch of songs believe it or not so i was just so inspired by the whole journey with him and then obviously i'll just say this there's i've never heard anybody sing like that I mean, it's just, it is heavenly. It's out of this world. Yeah. I've never seen anybody with ease just sing. And you go, wow, what a gift. And so that was inspiring for sure. Man, man, I can't wait to see the whole thing. Uh, was there a never forget moment while you were filming the journey? Something that was like, okay, I'll, I'll just never, never wipe this from my memory probably making music in the Coliseum with Andrea, being able to play as he sang. I mean, that, that was a moment. There, there's a really cool moment, Kirk, in the, in the special where I'm interviewing him in a very, 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 very old church cathedral where we have a really uh, pretty serious conversation about faith and about God. And I probably won't forget that. Uh, you know, it was easier for Andre to speak in Italian. He, he'd rather speak in Italian than English. You know, but but he, he tried to, he tried to give me some stuff in English, and then if, and and if not, Veronica would, you know, his wife would interpret. But um, that was a that was a beautiful moment of just sitting in this church and talking about God. Man, pretty pretty awesome. Michael, hope is mentioned. Uh, so much throughout this project and um, and in your songs. Can, can you define how hope? is such an important part of the Christian life. So many people are hopeless, Kirk. I mean, there's just, you know, there there's no hope. They've been look, they're looking for they're looking for God in all the wrong places, and I think that's what's happening with so many people and you know this as well as I do is that there's this God-shaped hole in us. There's only one person that can fill it, and that's Jesus. So, my hope and prayer for this you know, for this film, this the journey is that people watch it and go, you know what? Maybe this thing really is true. Because there's a lot of people who don't believe it. Maybe they've been hurt by the church. Maybe there's all kinds of stuff, abuse, 
we could go on and on about that, but there maybe the light bulb goes off. That's what I pray all the time. Almost every night when I go on stage, the light bulb goes off in somebody's life. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh my gosh, he really is who he said he was. Mm. And he loves me. And that's what I pray that this film will do. I loved how you talked earlier about a private conversation that you had with Andrea in which you spoke about music perhaps being the most powerful universal language in the world. And you've traveled all over the world and you've seen the power of music uh, in different languages. What is that? What, what is the, the magic factor about music that is so powerful? I mean, is it just molecules vibrating uh, tiny bones inside of our, our, our inner ear? Or is there magic in there, so to speak, that uh, reflects that we're made in the image of God and music is part of the relational language that he created for us? Yeah, I, I believe all of that. I do think there's th- I think the whole world's vibrating. <laughs> there's, a, I, there's a whole other story about just the vibrations and God being all a part of that. And, uh-huh. you know, you, and you look at, I look at the Psalms, you know, I look at just David playing before Saul. He wasn't singing some big worship song. You know, he was playing a melody for the king and something supernatural brought this peace over him, the king, by a simple melody. Uh-huh. I mean, I've had people coming to me that, that said they got healed by listening to the Freedom Record. And the Freedom Record, there's no words on that record. You know, it was a it was a melody. And what what is it about the melody that somehow it's it, at different times of, in people's lives that something about the melody mm. causes causes something to stir God to come down and meet somebody's need. I. I can't explain it, Kurt. I hear you. It's supernatural to me. I hear you. God's the author. He's the author of it. So Yeah. Music has a a special way of coming in the back door. Sometimes we've got the front door just just bolted shut with all of our defenses and all of our excuses, and then music just sneaks in through the back door and just just levels us and brings us to our knees. Yeah. Uh, Michael, what do you what do you think it is about the journey that people are gonna love most? Who's gonna love the journey. What do you hope are going to be the takeaways? The first thing that comes to mind, honestly, I mean, obviously this is such a, I think a God thing, but I think you're captivated by the imagery, Kirk. I mean, this thing is beautiful. And when you have something that beautiful and, and beautifully shot and you have some great music in this thing, it, it's, it's, you have to deal with it because you're not just going to turn off the TV or you're not going to just not go to the theater. I mean, you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, this thing is spectacular. So I love it creatively that you, I feel like we had the A-team from the crew, production, guys behind the camera, the talent, it was the A-team. And when you create something that beautiful and that special, you can't help be captivated by it. And then ultimately, the most important thing is, you know, the message. What's the message of this film? Yeah. And that's where I think God will have his day. That's awesome. And, and Michael, it's, it's not just you and Andrea. Who are some of the other singers and, and those who are making an appearance in the journey? Oh, gosh, there's Taryn Wells is in it. Taya is a part of it. She sings with Andrea. And she, they, oh, my word. And his, just, that's and, a great and, and his family is there. And just all of you together, yeah. is, is, it's just amazing, beautiful. The hairs kind of stand on my arm and my neck when I sort of reminisce about what happened in those two or three three days that I was there. It's just, it's really something else. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.